0: Stand up straight. Stand up straight. In Luke chapter 13, verse number 11 through 16, it says there, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when... Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he said to, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered, with indignation because jesus had healed on the sabbath and he said to the crowd there are six days in which men ought to work therefore come and be healed on them and not on the sabbath day and the lord answered him and said hypocrite does not each of you On the Sabbath, loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of this, for 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. Amen. And so here he is looking and there's some interesting things that stick out to me. Uh, one of them is, um, you know, Jesus looks at this this religious person and says to them, uh, "You hypocrite! Wouldn't you like to have him for your pastor?" Jesus wasn't hard on. The sinner. He wasn't hard on those that was even demonic possessed. He set them free. It was those who had religious spirits that he dealt with so harshly. And he tells them. He said, "Look, you you would rather feed, you would take your donkey or you would take your ox to the water, and 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 drink, allow it to drink on a Sunday. But this woman that is in covenant, this woman that is of Abraham." And you don't think that she ought to be healed on the Sabbath day. Amen. And so he come down pretty strong on them uh, here in this scripture. But then uh, the Bible tells us that truth comes line upon line and precept upon precept. Right. And what does that mean? Jesus is telling us that there is a story on the surface that everyone can see. But if you search, there is another story below the surface that you will only find if you search it out. And uh, so if you want to know the real story, like Paul Harvey used to say, then you have to stand by. You have to search for it. You have to go a little deeper than than skin deep. And, um, and, And it is true throughout Scripture. That's the reason why you can take it, and it has layers to it. And whenever you read it, you can see something. But if you read deeper into it and you look further and you investigate and you study the Word of God, you can find out there's more to it than the, what really meets the eye. Amen. And if you're not careful, the story that's on the surface, you, if you don't search it out and you don't find out what's really going on and you take it only for what you can see by the natural eye, uh, the scripture can get you in trouble. Yes. Amen. All right. You don't believe me. Well, I'll show you. For instance, you know the scripture in the Bible in the New Testament, uh, it tells us that if you don't understand the thing, that a woman in the ser- service does not understand the thing, that she is to shut up, remain silent, Right? Are you all with me? You remember this scripture? You're to remain silent, shut up, and ask your husband at home. Right? And a lot of people... (laughs) Now, you men getting carried away here. (laughs) A lot of folks would take that and have taken that, and they said, well, women are not supposed to say anything in church. They're not to preach, they're not to teach, they're not to do anything but how many know it have to make understand that if we didn't have women in the church we'd be be we'd be up in some trouble right but the 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 view of that from the from the if you take it for just what it looks like that women are to remain silent in the church don't say anything and then if you don't understand you go home and you ask your husband at home that but what the reality of that is the underlining of that is that it is speaking not in the natural but in the spirit. It is telling because when we look at this in the in the uh, spirit realm, what he is talking about here and Paul is speaking of is not for, about a a woman. He is talking about the feminine part, which is the soul. Remember, David said that he, my soul shall make. Her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The soul is the suke, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so when you come to the house of God and you hear something that your mind, your will, and your emotions do not understand or agree with, shut up. And ask your spirit. Now what is what is your the, the husband? It is the spirit of a person, right? Because you are not a soul, you are not a you are not a body, but you are a spirit, right? And your spirit is to lead you. And so, what we say is, we what he is saying is, you pray on these things that you don't understand, you don't comprehend the word, you pray over them, and allow your your uh, the 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 spirit to speak to your mind, your will, and your emotions, and determine whether it be truth or not. Not what your emotions say. Okay. Thought I'd just help you out just a little bit. I told you that could get you in trouble, right? But it's not about gender. It's about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your spirit. And so Paul tells them to remain silent and and pray about it. Let your spirit speak and not what you think or your mind, your will, and your emotions are saying. All right? Many Bible scholars agree that in the scriptures, when it's talking about a woman, many times, but not all the time, uh, it is referring to the church. There is a a parallel many times in scripture between a woman and the church. And so uh, when we look here, I'm uh, thankful that when I look at the scripture here tonight, that Jesus healed a woman 2,000 years ago. Because he was, all, he always is what he has ever been. And so that means tonight that if he healed a woman 2,000 years ago, that he will heal you here tonight. Amen. Because he always do, does what he's always done. And the fact that he healed her then tells me that he's still healing now. Uh, the underlining story of this woman is a picture of the church. We have been taught to look for the bad thing in everything. And it has uh, bound us to the earth. We, we, are, we are naturally look and migrate to the negative. Something good can happen to somebody and you never hear about it. But let something bad happen. Amen. And it'll beat you back to the house. Let something negative take place and it'll spread like wildfire because we are taught we, are, we have the, it, just mankind's nature migrates toward the negative, looking for the bad, looking for the bad in a person. Right. Uh, you know, and my grandmother, she was good about finding the good in somebody and, and they'd be mean as a snake, but she'd say they got pretty eyes. I, you know, I don't look at snakes that nice. But, uh, but, you know, that's what the Spirit of God will do. It'll cause you to not look for the negative, but it'll look for the good in a person. It'll look for the best in a situation. And if we're not careful, we'll focus so much on the negative. We'll focus on the problem. We'll focus on the circumstance and the, of our situation that the blessing can come and we'll miss the blessing. Amen. Because there is always a shift. Everything, nothing lasts forever. There is always a shift. There is always something that is at a pivotal point and it shifts. And when it shifts, that day of problems is gone. And the day of blessing has come. And if you're not careful, you'll stay in your mind and in your thought process. You'll stay cursed. You'll stay in the blessing. You'll stay sick. But the reality is your day of blessing has moved in on you. And so you have to uh, realize that blessing has come, attach yourself to it and say yesterday is gone, but I am looking for the blessing, right? I'm looking for the future. I'm looking for that. And the door doesn't have to be wide open. All I have to do is see a crack in the door. All I have to do is see I don't have to see the whole prayer answered. All I have to do is see the progress of the prayer being answered. And I'm going to thank him on credit that it's already done. Amen, because I know that his word is good. Come on somebody. Amen. But we've been taught to to look for the bad, you know, look for the look for the crooked, look for the Booger in the bush, whatever you want to call it. Look look for the evil in folks. But you you got to look for the good sometimes. Amen? Many churches, all you hear is the bad. It's all bad and God's mad and you don't have a chance. Right? And the world's bad and there's no hope and it's going to get worse. And guess what? You're caught up in the middle of it. And there ain't nothing, and to hear even preachers preach today, you know, God's on the losing end of this thing. You know, we're, it's going under, and, and we don't have a chance, and the only thing we can hope for is the rapture of the church to somehow get out of here before. But let me tell you something, that God never gave uh, this earth to the devil. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. Amen. And so, yes, troubled times are here. Troubled times are coming. But I'm not looking for all the negative. I'm not looking for every devil. I'm not looking for what the enemy has been doing. I'm looking for the gift of the Spirit, the power of God, the manifestation of His glory to be revealed because, you see, there is a gross darkness will cover the earth... But he said arise and shine for the light is come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There is two things going on simultaneously in this world. There is a natural world but there is a spirit world. And that spirit world supersedes what's happening in the natural world. And we've got to get focused upon what is good, what is pure, what is holy, what is a virtue, what is honest and a good report. And when we grab hold of those things it will draw us into into the promise and the provision of our God. Amen. And so, why is it that some people know more about what the devil is doing than what God is doing? Some people can tell you, well, I've got this and I've got that and the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. Well, what's God doing? Amen. Amen. I had a friend of mine and he was pastoring and and the lady come up to him and, and told him, said, did you see all those demons in here tonight? He said, no, I didn't see all those demons said I was too busy looking at all those angels. Said, did you see all those angels in here? No, I didn't see them. You know, we get focused on all this stuff, right? But we've got to look for that thing that is good. Yes, the devil is real. Yes, the power of the enemy is real. But he is no opposition for our God. He is no opponent for Him. We have victory over Him tonight. Amen? And so... Uh, we have to understand that we've got to what we focus on we will be drawn to, and so if you 're focused upon the negative, if you 're focused on the bad, if you 're focused on the evil, then you'll be drawn to it. that's the reason why that I refuse to speak of the enemy in any term except a defeated foe. I'm not going to get up and talk about how the devil's been doing this and the enemy's been doing... I refuse to do that because he is a defeated foe in Jesus' name. And he may be at work and he may be operating, but he is defeated in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to speak about him as a defeated foe, right? Amen. We can tell you all the bad things that are happening, but has anybody told you any good news lately? Hallelujah. Can we tell anything that's happening in the spirit? Jesus comes and heals this woman on the Sabbath day. And the religious folks get all upset about it. And they begin to be frantic because Jesus has healed her and said, there's six other days you could have come and you could have been healed but you come on the Sabbath day. But it speaks to me more than just this woman being healed on the Sabbath day, but it speaks to me about an end time and this last day outpouring of the Spirit of God. It speaks to me and says that, that God is going to bring healing to His church in this last day. Amen. If one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day, then we are now standing in the sixth day looking into the face of the dawn of the seventh day. Amen. And that tells me that when Jesus is Jesus is coming to the church and when he comes, he is coming to a church that is bent. Down That is bent over to the earth and is being controlled by the, the standards and by the systems of this world. But whenever Jesus comes and reveals his power and his glory to this last day church, the church that has given in to the culture and the systems of this day is going to be infused, empowered. It's going to bring correction to it. Amen. And what has caused it to be bent over and only can controlled by a worldly system. is going to be erected in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it's going to be a church that is full of power, full of life, and will no longer be bent over by the structure, the culture, and the systems of this world. Amen. We are bent over and our only perspective when we're bent over is based upon the earth. Amen. The only thing you can see when you're bent over, your mentality is the earth, right? It's now we're walking spiritually here. All you can see is the spiritual structure that when you are bent over, you can't see upward. You can't see anything above you, but you're bent over and your mentality is we're controlled by this. This, as I said the other Sunday, this becomes a small world. Amen. Amen. And the world that I'm in, I'm based upon this structure, this system of this world. And so now, whenever I begin to operate and I'm on based everything upon this world, then CNN becomes my God. Fox News tells me what is going to happen and what's not going to happen. Amen. But how many know the six o'clock news doesn't come from heaven? amen and and you know, I know you need to stay up on different events and all of that, but I tell you that, that every once in a while you just need to give yourself a break. <laughs> Give yourself a break from some bad news and from all that the world is trying to tell you and filtrate your mind with and just get away and say, this thing has bent me over. All I can see is a worldly system, but I'm going to break away for a little while from that. I'm going to get into God's Word. I'm going to begin to not look down anymore, but I'm going to start looking upward and I'm going to see what's happening in the Spirit. Amen. And I'm going to begin to hear what's happening in the Spirit instead of what's happening on the TV waves and I'm going to begin to declare what I'm hearing in the Spirit and not what I'm hearing over the television. Amen. And whenever I begin to do that, something is going to shift, and I'm going to realize that yes, we still live in a world where that we have to live by the laws of this world, but we are we have a greater power than that, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that is working and operating in our lives that will cause us to understand that we are not limited by the systems of this world. But whenever the doctors are limited, but there is a power that that is greater. Amen. Whenever the whenever the financial system is limited and says it's only this far, but there is a God that we serve that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the gold and the silver that has not even been brought out of the land yet. Amen. Everything belongs to him. And so what I'm saying is, yes, there is boundaries and limitations in the natural, but there is another realm. And God said in this last day, I'm going to send my spirit and I'm going to raise up that sick body that has been bent over by the systems of the world and cause it to be erected and realize there's more that you can do in the earth than go around bent over and controlled by a system of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. This story tells us that she was bent over for 18 years. 18 years, all she ever knew was what was under her and never saw what was above her. Some people never look beyond where they are. Amen. How many know, you know, I've preached on it different times, but he told Abraham, look from the place that you are. Don't look at your surroundings. Don't look at where you are. But look from the place where you are. Amen? And so it's talking about perception. He told him, he said, I'll give you all of the land that you can see. He wasn't telling him that I... If he is... Listen, if he said, I'm going to give you the, a family like the stars of the heaven and the sands of the sea, right? You walking this with me? And And he tells him, I'm going to give you a family that big... And then he tells him, all the land I'm going to give you is what you can see, Abe. Now, how many know if you're standing on a hill on a mountaintop, the best probably maybe a mile or two, right? And how are you going to put that kind of people in a mile or two circumference around you? No, he's telling him about his perception. He is saying that you can see it in your spirit. If you can believe me for it, praise God. I'm going to give you that land. You will possess that land. You and your seed will possess it. And so we have to understand that. But she has been over for 18 years. All she sees is what is under her and never looks above, never sees what is above her. Now, 18 is the number of bondage. She is bound 18 years. is The 18 is a number of bondage. And now she is bound for 18 years. It is also the mark of the beast. Six plus six plus six is 18. I just sound like Perry Stone, didn't I? But it is true. It's 18 is the mark of the beast. It is also the first word in the Greek that has a numeral value of 666 is the word tradition. And Jesus said in Mark that they're making the word of God of no effect through your traditions which you have, have handed down, and many such things you do. You still with me? And so, you don't have to be worried about the witch or the warlock. You don't have to be worried about outside forces. Jesus didn't say, beware of the devil, he'll stop the word of God. He didn't say, beware of this or that. The only thing in scripture that I have ever found that he said will make the word of God not effective is our traditions. Things that we have handed down through the years. Well-meaning, good intentions, right? But not necessarily biblically based. And yet, because we have handed those things down, it has brought us down to a place where that we have the word of God has no effect on us. In other words, what are you speaking about? If you ever want to deal, if you ever want to get into a fight, just just fight a religious demon. Yeah, just get a hold of one. Because, you know, they're all spiritual and they're all dressed up in all this spiritual facade, but yet they are bound by this tradition that has no biblical base about it. Amen. And, and, and it's a struggle. I'm telling you, it's a fight that, that to try to break that thing off of people's lives so that they can be free. Amen. And so we see this woman that speaks about this last day, that whenever he said that we would have a form of godliness, but we don't have any power. We have some tradition, but we don't have no anointing. We have a form of godliness. We come together; just looks good. It, it, the body looks good, but there's no life in it. And he says, "This is what happened for 18 years. There was the, it was the Antichrist spirit that was working. And and yet we look and we see that the Antichrist spirit is also connected to the traditions of men. Now, all traditions aren't bad, but they have to have biblical principles to b- back them up, right? Everything's not bad. It's a good tradition for you to get up and go to work because no worky ends up no eating. Right? And so that's not a bad thing. And it is in the spiritual realm. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to to, uh, have a, a tradition of coming to the house of the Lord. Forsake not the similitude of yourself together. It's a matter of some are, But in this last day, even as you see the day approaching, he said, even more come into the house of the Lord. And so that's a good thing. It's a good thing to give him praise and have tradition of praise and worship and glorifying God and blessing his name. That's a good thing, right? But we have to have those biblically based so that we understand that it's not a tradition of man. Do you realize by the time that Jesus showed up from the Old Testament to when Jesus got there, they had over 3,000 of their traditions that they had man-made that was stopping the Word. And that's the reason why he would step up and say all these traditions have stopped the Word of God from being effective in your life. I say, God, thank you for my history. Thank God for my heritage. But God, if there is things that aren't right, if there is something that, it, that I've been taught or I've learned or I've thought, God, might let my mind be open to your spirit to remove those things so I can have everything that you desire for me to have. Amen. People, many times preaching all this fear and gloom and doom and you better get you some food and store it up and you better get you all this stuff and find you a cave. What kind of God you serving? Come on. I mean, come on. Let's get real, right? As the young folks say, are you serious? Amen. If we ain't serving a bigger God than that, then we, we in a mess because we hadn't seen nothing yet. Amen. But I want to tell you, yes, you, it's good to, to prepare and it's good to, for all these things, but we aren't going to go in a spirit of fear. We aren't going to allow those things of the Antichrist to control and dominate us. Amen. You see, but the Holy Spirit is coming in this Sabbath day. And the Holy Spirit is coming to get a woman, a church that has been bent over by this world system and this Antichrist spirit and is going to straighten her up and say, look up. You've looked at, to the world system. You've looked to this structure long enough. It's time for you now to look up, Right. David said, whenever he was in trouble, I will look into the hills from which cometh my help. My help is coming from the Lord. He didn't say, I'm going to look down. He said, I'm going to look up. Do you understand the Holy Spirit is the restrainer? Amen. The Antichrist spirit and the Antichrist has come to overtake the world. But it is the Holy Spirit who has restrained him and is holding him back. And the Holy Spirit says, you can't touch what I have blessed. Amen. Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy shall come in like a flood. What did he say? The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Glory to God you see that's the working of the Holy Spirit that Holy Spirit restrains the enemy that which would try to bind you up and bend you over but we've got the Holy Spirit with us tonight and the Holy Spirit will restrain him and say no you can't have him you cannot have her you can't have just your way in every situation in their life I'm going to restrain you I'm going to raise up a standard against this enemy and rebuke to devour on your behalf. Amen. The reason I'm not afraid of a witch is because a witch can't hex me. Amen. The devil can't curse you. The enemy can't destroy you because the Holy Spirit is the restrainer that stops your enemy. Amen. He will stop your enemy. In Second Thessalonians 2, the Holy Spirit is restraining the man of sin from doing what he wants to do in the earth. And then we look and we see in 2 Kings chapter 6, whenever the Bible said that Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he might see. Amen. We need a spiritual awakening in this hour. We need to be able to see more than the natural realm. We need to see more than sickness, infliction, poverty and sickness and disease and trouble and turmoil. We need to see another realm. Glory to God. Yes, the enemy is real, but there is someone else at work that is greater than the work of the enemy. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is an angelic host that is with us. Amen. And I know you all know the story, but Elijah prayed. You know, he didn't take Maalox. He didn't say, you know, it's a one a terrible day he's just sitting there sipping on his molate he's there on the front porch and he isn't having a malox moment saying what are we going to do because every oh, we're surrounded no he looks up and he just prays a little prayer and says god would you help my servant to see what i'm seeing In other words, would you help him to quit being bent over and only see one side of this story? Would you allow him to look up a little higher? Would you allow him to see in the spirit realm that we are not by ourselves? Amen. I come tonight on a Wednesday night to tell somebody at the tabernacle, you are not by yourself. Amen. You may feel alone. You may feel isolated. That's the work of the enemy. But the whole. Holy Spirit is still for you, Amen. And He is with you. And He, i pray tonight, God, open our eyes that we can see that You're at work. Open our eyes that we will see that You are our healer, that You are our provider, that You are our source of strength in the time of trouble. You are the waymaker, the problem solver. You're the one that turns a dark night into day. You are my day spring. You are my joy. You are. My strength, you are ever even in the midst of it. Open my eyes that I can see what you have done. He opened his eyes and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and chariots, there was a fire that he did not see. Amen? I tell you tonight, there's a fire that is burning in the earth that many people do not see. But you have to look and you have to see it to receive it. And that's the reason why we have to look beyond where we are. Amen? Open my eyes that I can see. Mark chapter 5, it speaks of a woman. In verse 25 This girl is 12 years old a certain or a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years you know the story she went to all the physicians she had spent all of her money and the bible said that she grew worse, right? But Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. In verse 42, a girl is dying. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. The same story, 12 year old girl and a 12 year old issue. The woman, again representing the church, has a flow of blood, a loss of blood, life is leaving her, and has no strength, weak and anemic. Don't have any ability, right? And she is weak. And yet when Jesus was on his way over to heal this girl that was 12 years old, he stopped. And he healed this woman, this church that was sick for 12 years that didn't have any strength didn't have any ability. Didn't have any power. Huh? And he stopped and healed her before he went and healed the girl. I told you at Easter that he went to heal one generation but to resurrect the another. But he knew that he had to heal the church before he could resurrect the next generation. Because there was no use for him to resurrect another generation and bring it into a sick church. Amen? And so he stops long enough to heal this woman, this church that is sick, that has spent everything, gave everything. Have you ever just given it all and it seems like it's not enough? You've done what you know to do and you're not finding strength. You're not finding help in it. But Jesus came by. Glory to God. You know, 12 is the number of authority. It is the number of structure. It's the number of order. And 12, and and so now Jesus comes in this 12th year and he puts it in order. He structures it. Amen. He brings order and structure to the church and he heals it of its affliction. Hallelujah. Now why did he heal it? Not only to bring glory and power and strength to the church, but because there was another generation to be reached. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't expect you to understand why I get so moved and I get so excited about generations and why I'm excited that we have a multi generational church. But here in a few weeks, I'm going to open some stuff on you. And you're going to understand why I'm so excited about being a multi generational church because there are some blessings of God that don't happen until generations come together. There is a release of the anointing and there is supernatural things happen when generations are merged and when generations come together. And I'm going to show you through the scripture how that when these generations come together, there is an infusion and there is a release of God's power that not one generation can get by itself. Amen. Amen. And that's the reason we've got to look and we've got to see that God wants to bring healing to this last-day church. How many know the church she's been banged up. She's been bruised and battered. And and we have some issues. Come on, can we be honest? We have some issues but Jesus is on his way. The Holy Spirit has come in this last day to heal our wounded, our broken, our bleeding spirits. Amen. And cause us to be erected and stand up straight. This Antichrist spirit is not going to defeat the church. It may have it bent over, but I'm telling you, I feel in my spirit that there's a shift that is going on in the American church. We understand that we have been lulled to sleep. We understand, but there is a new anointing. There is a new body of people that are rising and we're not going to sit by and just be passive with the culture of the day, but we determine in our hearts that we're going to be a counter culture against this thing and we're going to rise up and we're going to take back the kingdoms, the seven uh, mountains of the law, amen, that produce culture and we're going to speak on those mountains and we're going to speak from the mountain of education. We're going to speak from the mountain of government we're going to speak from the political government we're going to speak from the mountain amen of financials and we're going to declare culture the kingdom of god will come the will of god will be established we're not going to be bent over and hunkered down but we're going to stand straight and say god reigns he's going to bring healing to this last day church so we can reach into this last day harvest another generation and bring them into the kingdom of god And we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. There will be some things that will never happen until generations come together. I'm so excited about that. I want to share it with you. But I've just been getting all my stuff together. Amen. It's powerful what god will do when generations come together amen but i'm looking for the holy spirit to heal this last day church so that we can be all that he has called us to be in this last day hallelujah amen father we love you tonight we thank you for your holy spirit i thank you god for the presence of god the anointing of the word God, that has just come forth tonight. We pray, God, that you would just help us, that we would rise up and we would be the church that you would desire us to be. I pray, Father God, that we would not be found bent over by the system and the culture of the day, but God, that we would be drawn and compelled by your Holy Spirit moving and operating in our lives on a daily basis, God. Father I pray God that you would bring healing God where there is sickness bring healing where there is bleeding bring healing God where we are bent over and God we are limited by the traditions and the mindsets of men I pray Father God that you would help us that there would be a release from that and God that we would stand up straight in your presence and in your anointing that we may be able to reach out to a lost and a hurting and a dying world and compel them with excellence and with joy to come into the kingdom of God. And we bless you and we praise you for this in the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank.